Welcome to Tackless Radio. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tackless Radio. I am so excited that you all are here with me because I got a good Judy, a good girlfriend of mine by the name of Lavender Lee, who is here with me. I met this beautiful soul through TikTok. TikTok has really become like a secondary part of my life. She had fantastic spiritual content, clearly followed her, and then she returned the favor, and we have been just going back back and forth with voice memos, with TikToks, with likes and shares. And I was like, girl, we keep doing this across the ethernet. We just need to do this in person. And she was gracious enough to come over here to Tackless Radio for us to talk about spirituality, for us to talk about self-growth, self-love from the Black woman, Black queer and America perspective. So I am super excited for you to be here, my love. How are you? I am well. I'm feeling balanced. It is a wonderful Sunday, and I'm so honored that you're having me on your show. Well, thank you. I'm happy that you said feel balanced because since today is not a football game, I'm feeling a little balanced myself. (laughs) (laughs) My dad has been watching every single game, and the house has been shaking, so I, too, feel amazingly balanced. But Lavender, let us know where are you from? What do you do? How do you identify? Who are you? are you that was very like it gave very much caterpillar from <laughs> from alice in wonder from alice in who yeah. are you yes, love that I'm movie <laughs> um so i'm lavender lee i'm from houston texas i born and raised currently live there no designs on leaving anytime soon other than traveling um i am a certified life coach and i have a podcast which is called the league of extraordinary melanin and I am a spiritualist. I'm a mother. I am a public school educator. And I, I do a lot of things. I'm kind of like a Jill of all trades. <laughs> like I do a lot of things. I also do marketing. Um, I am doing some marketing and communications for Pride Houston, which is the third largest pride organization in the country. And I'm very honored to be working with them as well. So yeah, I'm Amazing. just like a pour inner into our community you know the black and queer community that intersection is where I live and so I'm trying to I know that if I can make moves and make the community better that will automatically benefit me we want to benefit the community because the benefit the benefit of the community benefits the person and so that's I love that I love that because it takes a goddamn village (laughs) an adult sometimes too so like listen <laughs> sometimes the adults needed more than the kids do like each one teach one doesn't stop at seven like a lot of adults y'all could really benefit from learning a couple additional tricks yes you can teach that old dog some additional tricks you need to yes. you need to if anything yes. lavender with you saying that you're a spiritualist I want to start from the beginning. What I've noticed in the black community is that we are kind of getting back to what I would like to call our roots. And when I say Mm -hmm. our roots, we 
necessarily are looking at how we grew up in the church. A lot of us identify as Christians. A lot of us have identified as Catholic or Lutheran or Protestant. And it is very much so a part of the black identity to be religious in some type of way. But as the millennials have gotten older, as we started to really challenge how we look at our religious identifications, we're starting to challenge what spirituality means to us. I've seen a lot of people leave the church and I know the older generations are very upset about that, but I think it's worth noting that we have allowed for at least the millennials to have access to technology that has allowed for us to learn in a expansive way in a way that we've not had <laughs> available to us before. So we know a couple additional things. Right. And when we learn those things, then we apply them to our lives. So it's very interesting to see that so many black millennials are, are identifying as spiritual, not necessarily religious anymore. So I want to ask, what was your path? to becoming a spiritualist? Did you start off very traditionally like a lot of other black people, especially being in the South, (laughs) being on the Bible belt, being South in a Mason Dixon line girl? Did you have a similar quote unquote, come to Jesus moment? So I was raised in the church in a sense that we went to church. So I wasn't like a pastor's kid or anything, but I was very involved. So my religious journey started when I was probably about six, seven, maybe five. I was in elementary school and at first we were Baptists. And so we went to a Baptist church and everybody was white. Uh, I think we were one of, if not really? the only. Yes, 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 yes. I love you your toast. Baptist white church? Girl. I have seen pigs fly. Wait a minute. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> was, they, was, they, was they like hooting and hollering and had the, no, the tambourine and everything? It was very, it was very like... The, not Southern Baptist because Southern Baptist is what you're talking about with the revivals and the whole, no, it was not, there were not snakes. They were not, there were not, it was not that no ma'ams. It was more of a like business casual Christianity. <laughs> so It's very bland, very bland, very mega church, but very bland. Um, basically no culture to it. Um, we went there first. Then I don't know why, but we changed to being non-denominational Christian at another church. And that's the church that I pretty much remember. Um, we, I went there from the time I think I was in third grade, third or fourth grade, and then all the way up to graduation and then into adulthood. Um, I went on like church trips. I was in programs. I sang in the choir. Like I was, we were in church. I got baptized when I was 13. And the thing that I will say is that it, I don't think I ever really bought into it because it didn't make sense to me. Like it full, none of it really, I was like, okay, so like we're all sinners and this one guy died and now we're all just not sinners anymore. Like we can just say, I'm sorry. And it's forgiven. Okay. That easy, huh? Right. Yeah, we're eating, <laughs> we're eating his body and drinking his blood. Are we? Are we vampires? Are we cannibals? Like, what are we doing? Like, what? Wild. Like, shit. what? Why? Right. And then when it when I became of age and we started doing like the purity chats, uh, uh, I Ooh. remember one time they separated the girls and the boys as they do because it's not like girls and boys have sex together. So you know why would they need to hear about it together? Um, they separated us. And they were talking to us about masturbation and they were saying that, 
well, masturbating is a sin. And as a proud 13-year-old masturbator, I raised my hand and I was like, what do you mean it's a sin? How does that work? And they're like, well, you know, and I said, where's that in the Bible? Because I'm a bitch, even at a kid, I was a bitch that wanted receipts. Like it, I am very much neurodivergent and I'm learning that about myself. And part of that is if this is a real thing, prove it, prove it to me, show me. And I think that's why Christianity doesn't make sense to me and doesn't make sense to a lot of people who are leaving the church because a lot more of us are neurodivergent. I bet you anything, if you did a Venn diagram of people who have left Christianity, people who are neurodivergent, that middle part would be quite big. I think so because yeah. if it lo- if it can't make sense to us, then the way that our brains work, we can't make it. I can't make yeah. that make sense. But what does make sense is spirituality. So the way, so I got out of that. I slowly just kind of gradually left Christianity. I started backing away, like that Homer backing into the <laughs> into the like um, <laughs> into the bushes. <laughs> he slowly disappears into it. Like that's kind of what I did. Like I just kind of left because. I was an adult. Nobody wasn't, nobody was making me go anymore. And I started dating my ex-husband and he was agnostic. And so, you know, when you're in a relationship, sometimes you pick up things that the other person's doing. And so I just stopped going and I didn't miss it. And I kept not going and I was like, okay. And so then I had nothing for a while. I had no religion. I had no spirituality. I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then a few years ago, about two years ago, I left my ex-husband, realized I was a lesbian. Right. Thank you. I'm so happy. (laughs) Um, Realized uh, I was in an abusive, very, very abusive relationship, um, not only with him, but with my parents, with like everybody that was around me. Um, I realized I had a whole lot of realizations that awakening was huge. And so I started off with like a... um, hoodoo voodoo mentor usually when you leave christianity you have no idea what you're doing because it's always been told to you this is what you're doing this is how you're going to do it these are the only ways that you are allowed to do it and when you go out into spirituality it is so wide and there's so many there's astrology and tarot and there is hoodoo voodoo um santeria there which is an you know there's so many different ways there's Buddhism there. Like there's so many different ways to find spiritual clarity and awareness that you're like, there are too many options. Like what, how do I, where do I even start? You're so used to being told that having the freedom to choose for yourself is so foreign that it's uncomfortable, which actually is part of the process for you to sit in that uncomfortability. And so I had a voodoo hoodoo mentor first and something about voodoo and hoodoo didn't sit right with me. I don't know. It felt voodoo is a religion. I didn't Mm -hmm. want a religion. Religion has rules and I don't, I feel like spirituality is supposed to be very fluid. I I don't know why there would be so like steadfast rules to something like that, but you know, to each their own. So I don't knock voodoo and hoodoo at all. I still have a voodoo book. I still read from it to learn because there are facets of it that I pull from. But I consider myself a spiritualist because I pull from a lot of things. At the very end of the day, I'd consider myself a root worker. Could you explain to the people what a root worker is? We would love, you know, a Webster Merriam dictionary definition. And then I would love Lavender's definition. Okay, we'll do, we shall do both. So let's see. 
Okay, so on the free dictionary, a person who practices voodoo, the word also describes a person or thing whose presence is supposed to bring bad luck. That can't be right. That's definitely wrong. <laughs> that's definitely wrong. Okay, here we go. That's what we get from reading the white man's dictionary. Yeah, like, that's definitely from a white person because you cannot, right. like no black person who practices spirituality or AR, uh, uh, ATR, African traditional religions, which is what voodoo and hoodoo falls under, no one would say that we bring bad luck. Like what? <laughs> that's not a Agreed. thing. Agreed. Uh, yeah. There, it's kind of hard to, okay, here's one. Hoodoo root work in the American South originated out of the struggle to maintain a relationship rooted in ancestral guidance and reverence. So root work for me, given what that said, which is actually accurate, root work for me is putting my hands in the dirt, in the earth, and connecting with it on a spiritual, ancestral level, knowing that these hands are copy and pasted hands of people who came before me and going forth into working with the earth, knowing that I carry all of them with me in my hands while I'm doing this work, knowing that I'm being guided by somebody that came before me, the person that was me before I was me. I absolutely love that. Cause that's a lot of what we are missing is connection to earth. That's why mother earth is trying to burn us the fuck off of her. Cause she's like, Y'all not going to kill me. I'm going to kill you before you kill me because we are so out of balance as people Listen, to, to earth. <laughs> there's so much trauma that gets in the way. I could not have started this journey into spirituality, into awareness, consciousness, if I didn't leave my ex-husband, if I didn't start doing that self-work because I said today to someone that your mental health and wellness is tied to your spirituality. If you are not in a healthy and balanced mindset, even if it's chaotic, because there can be managed chaos, but if you're not in a healthy, non-reactive mindset, if you are able to practice, your practice is not going to be good. It's going to bring you more negativity. It's going to bring you more out of balance. Because that's how the universe worked. It is cause and effect. It is what you put out, you get back. Period. When it comes to accessing your power, your knowledge, your ancestral energy, you have to do self-work in order to do that. A lot of people, and something I talk about on my Instagram, is like new age spirituality. They want it to be like love and light. And you just love yourself enough to just forget about all the things, you know, just love yourself. And that's all you need. Now I talk a lot about self-love, but my, the self-love that I talk about comes from self-work. It's not, it's not just this like rainbows and sunshine. It is sleepless nights. It is nightmares. It is panic attacks. It is realizations while you're in the middle of the grocery store, like, Oh God, there's more trauma. Like there's, it's layers, layers, and layers of work to this. And so people either don't want to do the work to get past the trauma and the pain to get to the healing, which allows them to access their power, or they are just so disconnected from self that they don't even know 
that they're in a reactive state, that they're in a trauma response constantly. They don't know that. And I say they, as in I was they. I'm not going to give you advice and then be like, oh, but I would never do that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So with you understanding the importance of being a root worker, mm-hmm. having the experience of starting your own spiritual journey mm-hmm. and coming to terms with you being a spiritualist, what has been some of the benefits that you have seen kind of taking this type of pivot in your life? I would love for you to kind of give us some of your perspective and intellect around what the work is and how people can genuinely start to do the real work, not the cutesy wootsy love light. Yeah. Yoga. Yeah. That that ain't the work. So (laughs) what is the real work? Real work. So the real work is shadow work. The real work is sitting in your darkness. The real work is because it's not, you, we can't operate off of positivity alone. It doesn't work that way. The universe is about balance. Science is about balance. Everything, everything is about balance. If you add too much water to a recipe, it's going to be out of balance. It's not going to taste good. Like every, everything we do should be about finding balance. And so when people try to like overly, I say pos- positivize, when people try to like do over positivity, it takes them up real high, but when something triggers them, they come crashing down because there is nothing grounding them. There's mm-hmm. nothing balancing them. They're ju- they just want to be high. They don't want to be low. So when you inevitably get to a low point, they don't know how to bring that back to here, bring it back to even. Mm-hmm. So some of the work that you have to do I know that we can't always afford therapy, but counseling, group therapy, there are free resources. There are um, like government programs now granted, those aren't always the best, but you got to start somewhere. Even if you join a Facebook group for people who were victims of narcissistic abuse, at least you're going to be out there hearing people tell their stories. You'll be getting into the like mode of, oh, I need to share. I need to be in an environment where I feel comfortable sharing because you have to talk about it. That's the thing is people don't want to, they don't even want to acknowledge. First, acknowledge what happened to you. Acknowledge what happened to you. You don't have to take ownership of it because it's not, it, it, it is your trauma, but you didn't do it to yourself. Right, right. We have to get to a point where we can acknowledge the trauma for what it is. We have to say, this is not my fault, but this is my responsibility to heal from. It is my responsibility. I do take ownership over my healing. I do take ownership over what comes next. And so first, you have to be aware. Second, you have to decide that you're going to do something about it talk to somebody. If you can get in therapy, get in therapy. If you can find somebody who offers like free life coaching or something like that, do that. Join support groups, do that. You have to talk about it. Once you start talking about it and being aware of what's going on, you have to recognize that the things that are happening around you is part of what's keeping you in that trauma cycle. And you have to start looking at your environment and either taking things out of the environment that are repeatedly traumatizing you or reinforcing that trauma, Mm -hmm. or you have to take yourself 
out of that environment and put in an environment where you can heal because we can't heal in the same place that where made you sick. Right. That made you sick. You cannot heal. It's like if you you got COVID from that point. nasty nigga and you keep going back. Girl, you going and you you going to keep catching COVID. Maybe next time it'll be different. Like maybe this time I'll be lucky. Like no, <laughs> you're not. You're not, bitch. Like you're not. <laughs> that's not how they work. And that's also the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Stop mm-hmm. it. Stop it. And the thing that people don't want to do is they don't want to take on their part of their trauma because again it's not your fault that you were traumatized it is your responsibility to heal but if you choose to stay in those toxic environments at the point where you've woken up and you're aware of it it's on you now yes this person who's traumatizing you they're just gonna keep on keeping on they don't they don't they're fine this is their regular life It's you now who has to make different choices. We can only control what we do, not what other people do. I wanted my ex-husband to stop abusing me so badly. I wanted it. I talked to him about it. I was like, when are you just going to love me the way I love you? Like, when's that going to happen? And then he never, but he never was. He wasn't. He never was. He was never going to. And he showed me with his actions. And so finally I had to decide I'd had enough. It's time for me to go. Because if I'm supposed to be healing, if I'm supposed to, not perpetuate generational trauma onto my children the way that I experienced it for my parents and so on and so on. I have to do something different. I'm not going to stay in a marriage just to stay in a marriage. That's why they made divorce. Mm-hmm. So you get the fuck out if you need to. Like, no. Um, and so you have to be aware. You have to consciously take steps to heal and you have to take ownership of your own toxicity you have to like i had to learn about myself that i am overly empathetic and i overly nurture because my trauma gave me over empathy whereas i was raised by narcissists so when you're raised Mm. by narcissists you either become a narcissist or you have narcissistic traits or you get the overabundance of empathy i got this one yeah So that means everybody I come in contact with, my heart is just bleeding for them and I can fix them and I can help them and I can heal them. Nope. Mm -hmm. That is false. And so once I stopped doing that or started the process to stop doing that, because it's not perfect, but I'm so much better, so much better now when somebody around me is having a hard time, I will reach out and be like, I am here for you during these business hours. Like I am here. (laughs) Like I will be real quick to be like, I don't have any spoons for this. Or I won't even answer a text. You have to. You absolutely have to. You have to learn how to protect yourself, especially when you're an empath in that type of way, because you can feel people deeply. I resonate with that on a spiritual level as well, because I too can feel people's energy from across the room. And then I I'm so much, I'm filled with everybody else's trauma, everybody else's energy. I can feel everybody else's problems. I can fix everybody else. And then ain't nothing left for me. So now I got to go back home, exhausted, drained, and tired. And I need the next three days to not talk to nobody, to not see nobody. So I can get full again. Yeah. And I don't have three days to be given for you raggedy motherfuckers who don't got the time for me. So you are correct, boo. You have to like, those boundaries are self-love. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> Those boundaries yes. are self-love. Yes. And like, so I, one thing I forgot to say is that I'm a published author and I wrote a book called um, Self-Love is True Love because my philosophy on healing is you have to start with self-love. If you don't love yourself, what's a boundary? You're not going to set it. You're going to let people do whatever they want to do to you. You're not going to set boundaries with other people. You're not going to set them with yourself. You are not going to love yourself and do things for yourself that make you feel good. You're not going to take care of your body. You might have a poor diet. You might smoke. You might like cigarettes. You might do harmful things to your body. Put yourself in harmful situations all because you have no sense of love for yourself. And so my book um, is a, well, it's out of print now, but it was a seven day how to. And so every day I come to you and I say, Hey boo. Okay. It's day one. We're going to do this. How do you feel love? Like, how do you actually receive love? And a lot, the overwhelming response I got was I didn't realize I felt love this way. And all these years, I thought it was this way. So all these years you were chasing something that was never going to give you what you thought it was going to give you. Mm -hmm. And so when you start with how do you even feel love, then you can go forth from that. So the next day was like, okay, so now we know how we feel love. What are some activities or things that you can think of to do for yourself that are within those love styles that you have? And then day three is I want you to set a timer and 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, do something for self-love, non-negotiable. And then the next day and the next day. And so we added on, we're building up to that, that self-love savings account. Like we're building, we're adding little deposits every single day. And then I think on the fifth day or the sixth day, I was like, listen, today's going to be a hard day. Because today is the day we talk about our own toxic behaviors and how we're contributing to ourselves not being healed or not healing. Because you have to turn that mirror around. You have to turn that mirror right. around sometimes. <laughs> Michael Jackson said, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. In the mirror. That, that is I. It is me. Let me just, let me calm down. Um, so yeah, I think that like, People who don't want to do any of the work. The self-work includes therapy, counseling. It includes sitting with yourself. It includes unpacking the things that are harmful. And that's not just like the things that you're directly doing. It's the environments that you're in, the people you're socializing with. You may have to lose some friendships that you don't want to lose. I had to cut off so many people. I left my ex, started a whole new life, moved to a different side of town, like started all over. I lit a match to that bridge, like Angela Bassett and waiting to fucking <laughs> exhale. Okay. <laughs> no like, coming back. I was like, I don't want to go back across that bridge. I want the bridge yeah. down. I don't, I can't swim. So I'm where am I swimming to? Like, I don't want any of that. I want to have no other option, but to fucking go forward. And I wish more people would do that because the, the longer you hold on to what's behind you, the longer you're going to stand right where you're standing. Like, I think about when I become an ancestor. I love that. I think about what good am I going to be to my children 
or whoever's calling for me, who, how am I going to be good for them? Mm-hmm. That's what our focus should be. Yes, we want to live now. Yes, mm-hmm. we don't care about what comes next, you know, in a, in a Jesus Christ superstar kind of way. Like we care about <laughs> what comes next. I care about what comes next because I am going to be an ancestor. That's how it works. There is no denying that. I'm going to be an ancestor. I am called for. I want to bring knowledge that is going to push them so much further than I am now. Because some of y'all are calling on your uncles who are drunks and your aunties who are crackheads. Y'all are calling on those spirits and they leading you down a path of destruction. (laughs) So you need to be a good person now. So that when people call on you, you actually got a skill to to put them on the right path. Like a lot of y'all are so empty. You don't got enough skills. And when you do become an ancestor, you no good. You no good. You no good. You no good. Like, girl, listen, I honestly, it's like, I, I honestly, I call for my ancestors less and less because I'm trying to build myself up to a point where I can get in touch with more than the few that I'm calling. I want mm. to be able to have access to all of them, the ones that are going to help me. And so when I first started, I, it took me a while to figure out how to call my answer. So when I finally figured it out, I called uh, the people that I wanted to call and my, I'm going to say father, sperm donor, my father, his father came forward mm. and I said, no, sir. Goodbye. <laughs> not mm-mm. you are a womanizer a predator a beater of your children a beater of women ordained minister mm. in mississippi <laughs> like please um no sir no sir i am the child of boomers so if you can imagine what's before them <laughs> crazy listen so that man was trying to come to me and i said i don't want you here Don't you ever, ever come back. And he never has. I knew he wasn't shit when I was alive. Or not when I was alive, when he was alive. And so I don't want, you have nothing to tell me now. What are you going to tell me? People can't, you can't just open up yourself to the ancestors. You have to open up yourself to the people who are going to guide you in a balanced way. That is what you call for. Not just any and every fucking body. Because any that and every, true. black people have a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma. If your ancestors didn't heal anything or if they didn't move in any kind of balanced way, how are they going to help you? They're going to help you straight to hell. That is true. That is true. A lot of people don't know that part of spirituality. When it comes to meditating, you start to feel things, you hear things, you see mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to even learn like my own gifts and whatnot. Yeah. Because... Because I come from a long line of women who have visions. (laughs) Like, you know how when you want to go out to that party and your mama's like, no, I had a dream. That woman really did have a dream. And and then two days later at school, somebody got shot. Somebody got robbed. The party got, the police came and raided it. Something always went down. And then me and my sisters and my brother, we would get older. And then we too would kind of have dreams or have certain feelings or we just, I come from a long line of women who know stuff. I'll say it like that. I love that. And what I had to understand and recognize and just realize is one, 
which my mother has been doing a really good job with kind of just like talking through our history as a family. I have to first recognize and realize the trauma that the women and men in my family went through specifically being from a small town in Georgia, going Mm -hmm. through the great migration, coming up to Chicago and everything that they had to go through. Mm -hmm. I have to first understand their trauma. Then I have to ask myself, where, where were they? in life mentally are they going to have anything positive to contribute and the beautiful thing is that a lot of the women in my family live to be old and wise so i got to know my great grandmother oh love that i knew my i knew my great great grandmother and i also knew my great grandmother and i had my and i still have my grandmother Mm -hmm. um and my great aunts Mm-hmm. that are in their 70s and their 80s. So the beautiful thing is that we're able to kind of really sit on this family history and kind of spread it out. Mm-hmm. And you have to recognize and realize that some family members are jealous. Mm-hmm. Some family members do not have the best intentions. Some family members are stuck spiritually, emotionally, and they just do not have a lot to give you. And you have to really be particular. Discernment about discernment you got to practice on that discernment too because when you first get it and anything comes through you just excited that anything came through <laughs> but you got to be like whoa, whoa 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 this this don't feel right like for me if the energy doesn't feel like i call it granny and auntie mm-hmm. if, the, if the feeling doesn't feel like my granny and my auntie next mm-hmm next (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah discernment is something you have to do i'm a very big uh chakra meditator and connecting with my chakras and um i have a book on shock like i didn't write it but i got a book on chakra self-care and like i do lots and lots of guided meditate like it, it is very restorative for me um and my solar plexus which is the home of your intuition your gut, that's one that I have strengthened. I have reinforced. I have made sure I get to know because when I get that feeling in my tum tum, something's not right. Mm-hmm. Something doesn't smell right. Something isn't right. And because I've woken up into myself, I listen. So when it says move, I move. When it says don't, I don't. And it's not wrong. I was telling somebody earlier, I'm a human lie detector. You cannot lie to me because as soon as you start saying words, <laughs> beep, 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 this starts going off like, nah, bitch. Yeah. You're telling yeah. falses. Those are falses. Ooh. And so you have to, because I'm going to say women, I'm non-binary, but I definitely understand I'm getting the black woman treatment. So I will refer to myself as a woman all the time because being a black woman is its own. Like I watched a video and somebody was like, being a black woman should be its own gender identity. And I was like, ah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) I agree. It is a very unique experience. Singular. That a lot of people just won't ever fucking get. If you are not seen as a black woman, you will not get black woman treatment. Period. Period. But like specific type of treatment. (laughs) Like you said earlier, we have always been the caretakers. We've always been the help. We've mm-hmm. always been the nurturers. We've always been the band-aid. We've always been the cure. We've always been the warriors. We've always been the birthers and the angels of death and the cooker. Like we've always been everything for everyone. We are supposed to be a, sh- a soft 
moldable clay for people to just mold us into whatever they need us to do at the moment and then sit us on the shelf till somebody else needs to come along and mold us into something else. And so because of that, we have generation upon generation of us doubting ourselves. Mm. We have generations of us not using our intuition, not leaning on self, not leaning into that little voice that's scratching you in the back of the head like, hey, hey, girl, um, don't do that. Like a lot, we, but we are getting that back because like you said, a lot of people, people are leaving the church in droves. They are. Droves. And so because of that, we're waking up into our discernment. We're waking up into our um, knowledge and our intuition. And so when it comes to listening to yourself, if you don't listen to yourself, you don't love yourself. And that's again, where we get back to self-love. You have to be your own best friend. Mm-hmm. You have to be like, what's that song? Go, bad bitch, go, bad bitch, go. Like, that's <laughs> your song. I'm my best friend. She's right. a real bad. That's me. I sing that to myself. Like, because I'm my own best friend. I know that this body is what I got right now. Until my soul recycles the next time, and it may not because I'm a Pisces and this is the last one. Oh, girl. Last one. <laughs> my soul has to go on to retirement. Oh, Jesus. You know? But, literal Jesus, <laughs> literal Jesus, <laughs> you know, so it's like, whatever happens for me next is what happens for me next. But I feel like that's why I'm where I'm at in this life, because I've gone through every single other iteration of myself. And here I am at this point. And a friend of mine told me something that was so profound. He said that there's a theory that reincarnation is about your soul coming back to learn what it's supposed to learn so it can go on to the next place. But until it learns that thing, until you reach enlightenment as a human, you can't, your soul is just going to keep getting knocked down. You're going to keep getting knocked down to learn the lesson. So I honestly believe that this time for me, I'm going to learn the thing. What are some things, some items that people can get from a spiritual perspective to start to love on themselves. I'm thinking like rose quartz. I'm thinking like an 888 high frequency. But for those who are interested in non-traditional ways of going about self-love and trying something different, what recommendations would you give them? Okay, I have a few. Um, I would say for going about self-love, I would set up an altar. I would set up an altar and I never knew why I did this until today, actually. And my altar has been set up. It's had different versions. It's grown. Um, and as you know, your altar will be fluid and it'll, it'll change as you change. Um, but my altar first started with a candle and then I added and added and added. But today when I went into the spiritual shop, she said, I brought my friend with me and it was her first time in there. And she said, or I said, well, friends trying to start up uh, their altar. And she said, is your altar for your ancestors or is your altar for yourself? And I was like, who, what? That's, that resonates. Mm. My altar is for me. Mm. Because you're supposed to have water, fire, air, and earth and spirit. You are spirit. You. So when you go to the altar, it's complete. So when it comes to that, I would say set up an altar because you need to worship yourself. You need to think of yourself as your own personal God. 
and put all of your love into that. The food exactly. you eat needs to be worship for your body. The thoughts you have need to be worship for your mind, for your soul. Positive self-talk, that's a tool. Talk to yourself. I would also say, um, I'm a stone, I don't have any stones on right now, but this is an amulet. This is a Bast, Bastet, the goddess um, from Egypt. This is one of the things, I'm a very like tactile person. So wearing stones, wearing jewelry, wearing bracelets, that kind of stuff, it's a reminder of what I'm doing. And it's also a simple thing to get. You know, um, you said earlier on in our conversation, you have a hard day and then you need three or you were giving, giving, giving to everybody. And then you need three days to recover from that. Those three days in the bed might be the best you can do. That might be all you can do. All I can give. <laughs> that might, that might be it. Right. Giving you the best that I got. Listen, baby, <laughs> like, listen, like it's, you're, you are giving all that you can give in that moment. And that's okay. Give your best. Now, if you mm -hmm. can give more, like if you literally actually can, then do that because it's important for you to know for you that you can do more that you're doing. But if you truly can't, if you have assessed the situation and you, this is all you can do today, it'd be like then that. that. Right. And don't beat yourself up about it and don't necessarily have the guilt that comes with that because that's what I had to work on I, being the oldest of four I had to learn how to fail and yeah. I learned how to fail later in life and that shit was tragic but I had to give myself grace like me and my mom had an extensive conversation about giving yourself grace because you have to allow yourself to learn new things and you're not going to be perfect at those things hey oh perfection it's a part of white supremacy, if you ask me. So there's no fucking such thing as perfection. So give that shit up. But then you also have to say to yourself, if this is the best that I can do, then that is the best that I can do. And don't beat yourself up about it. Don't necessarily have guilt that you didn't give more okay. because you're human. Yes. You know, a little PSA for people out there. Mm -hmm. People forget that human beings are species of animal. We are influenced by our environment, just like everything else on this planet. Our environment is fucking us up. Capitalism, white supremacy, misogyny, racism, transphobia, etc. It's all fucking us up. So our body is reacting to the tension that we are constantly faced with. And it's developing diseases. Our bodies are breaking down. Like, you can call it hippie, woo-woo, whatever the fuck you want. It is causing a fucking effect. Period. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. That's why stress is the leading killer. Stress. People mm -hmm. are expressing themselves into their graves. What a lot of people don't realize with that, especially if you're a woman, and this is why the black woman experience is so fucking unique, is that you and I technically are holding the eggs of our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Like physically, I have eggs that have eggs. Like my, if I was to yes. birth a daughter, she already, she's going to be born with all of her eggs. And then therefore I am holding my grandchildren currently. I, I was pregnant with two daughters. I was mm -hmm. pregnant with also my grandchildren at the same time. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. Imagine whatever the fuck you go through, your stress, the trauma, that doesn't just affect your children that you're trying to course correct. That affects your grandchildren. Yep. 
And then that fucks up generations on top of generations. So when I, I think about what my grandparents went through in the 50s and in the 40s, what my great-great-grandparents went through in the 20s and the 30s, that affected me before I even got here. Consciousness. But you were there for that. I was technically there <laughs> during the civil rights. I was there. We were there. We, we millennials were in the wombs of our matriarchs who were basically getting dogs sicked on them, who could not sit in the front of the bus, who got hoses sprayed on them with yeah. the fear of the KKK. We were technically there. And that is the stress that we as a generation are dealing with. That is very much so biology. That's why it is important to try to figure out how to mitigate a lot of that stress. Yes. It is very important to find yourself healing and your self-love and yes. to have positivity and to, and to have positive thoughts because the happier and healthier you are, that alone breaks generational curses. Like it is radical for us as black women to even just be alive right now, having children mm -hmm. that get to see adulthood. That is radical in itself because that was unfucking heard of in this country at one point. Right. So we have to be very particular about our boundaries, about mm -hmm. how we love on ourselves, about mm -hmm. being silent in our brains, getting over that stress, showing up when we can, resting when we can't, and not fucking guilting ourselves for that because you are doing your grandchildren a great service when you do that. And the other thing is you said resting when you can't. Something I learned through decolonization work and like connecting with other decolonizers. Uh, my friend Andrew taught me something so profound. He said that because I, we were talking about rest and productivity and blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, you need to rest so you can be productive. And he said, actually, you just need to rest because your body is designed to rest. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, a pineapple tree is still a pineapple tree when it's not bearing pineapples. Ooh. You're not, you're not going to call it some other kind of tree because it's not in its bearing season. So when I'm resting, I'm still me, I'm still valid, I'm still important because my body was designed to go out of battery and need to be recharged again just because it's that's the design. Not so that I can get up and make some more money from some other motherfucker again. Not so I can get up and be a cog in the machine again. Not so I can wake up into the matrix again. It's so I can just fucking lay down. I am trying to live by example. I am trying to choose me in front of them so that I when love they that. up, they choose themselves. They choose, and I'm not even going to say in front of their kids because I'm not calling that for them. I honestly hope they don't have any. Like, live your life for you, dude. Being a parent, it ain't it. <laughs> like, it's, it's not, it did not give what anybody lied and said it was giving. It does not. Uh, it's a trap. Like, I love my kids. I do a lot of work to be a better person so that I can be a healed mother because I wasn't always a healed mother. I was perpetuating some of the same traumas that I grew up with. And once I woke up, I was like, nope, mm, 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 because I don't want my daughters in therapy and they're in their thirties talking about my mom didn't love me. My mom, I never felt loved by her. I never felt supported by her trauma, 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 trauma. Like I don't, they're going to be in therapy because of trauma that they experience on their own. Not because of me. I am healing that. Here and now, here and now, like, listen, <laughs> I am calling it. I am calling healing because I, I want my daughters to grow up in a loving and safe and nurturing environment that has prepared them to be black people, black women in the world. 
That's my job. And I can't do that if I am so bogged down by all my trauma and just reacting to everything. I used to yell. I used to spank my children. I don't do those things anymore. I'm not going to say I don't yell. I'm not going to say that happens. I'm not. (laughs) But you're human. To the degree which I would get angry about the littlest things that they're just doing because they're two or one. No, no, we're healing that. Which this has been fantastic. We have gone all over the world, all over the globe, but (laughs) I appreciate you coming and allowing for me to pick that big, beautiful brain of yours. I (laughs) love Got a big forehead for no reason. Right? They always say the pretty girls got big foreheads. So, (laughs) So I appreciate you coming to talk about spirituality, sharing all of your personal stories, giving us your insight as a mom, as a queer individual, someone who is in the community. I enjoy having these amazing one-on-one conversations with other amazing Black individuals. So thank you so much, girl, for being here. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Tackless Radio. I will see you all next Tuesday. Yay! Bye! Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, girl. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to stop.